Welcome to the Friendly Fire Podcast, a Navy SEAL Museum production. Hi, I'm Rick Kaiser, retired Navy SEAL Master Chief and Chief Operating Officer of the National Navy SEAL Museum here in Fort Pierce, Florida, the birthplace of the Navy SEALs. We are recording from inside the museum's own Mark V assault craft, and now I'm going to introduce my good friend, Tim Nichols. Hello, everyone out there. I hope you enjoy this podcast. My name is Tim Nichols, retired Marine and professor at Duke University. I'm super excited to participate in this, and I think we have a lot of cool things to talk about. Welcome to the Friendly Fire Podcast, where two friends talk about a myriad of different subjects, all revolved around our experience in the military. Uh, Tim Nichols up in North Carolina, Rick Kaiser at the Navy SEAL Museum in Florida. You can get our podcast on Apple Podcasts or on our museum website at www.navysealmuseum.org. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Doing well. It's uh, pretty chilly up here today. We had two nice warm days. I thought I was a Floridian, and then today we're back in the 30s. Sorry, Tim. It's the most beautiful day here. I got to ah. tell you, I, I took the top off my Jeep. That's how nice it is. Of course you did. So, yeah. yes, I'm I, sure yes, you're wearing shorts. Yeah. And for the people just listening to us on the radio, if my head, you know, I have a large head, so it sticks above the roof of the Jeep, so the hair weight <laughs> goes in the wind, you know what I mean? But at least I have hair to go in the wind, Tim. Okay, well done. Yeah, I, yeah. It sounds like the Jeep, so how do you have, when you have the top on the Jeep, do you have to ride with your neck craned during the, when the top is on? No, it just rubs on the top. It's got, it's like, it's like a dirty, except for one clean spot where my head rubs. Yeah. I gotcha. So it sounds like Jeep has a product deficiency. Uh, they can't service people with large heads. You know? yes, that's exactly right. Hey, I wanted to get started. Um, we had a really exciting um, uh, lecture series start here. It's called The Legends and the Heroes. And uh, it was on Wednesday. And we had uh, a Medal of Honor recipient, um, Navy SEAL, Master Chief retired, Britt Slabinski, come here and talk about uh, some of his experience, uh, resilience, leadership, uh, all here at the museum. And then we had a small group you know, due to COVID because we wanted to do, make sure everybody was safe. And then we Zoomed it out to everybody else. And uh, it was very, very successful because as you can imagine, I hear a lot of these stories or knew the stories or was involved in the stories but uh some of the details that he went into uh during the during the talk were just fantastic um i don't know if you knew this and i think we talked about it before but uh there's about 67 living medal of honor recipients out there and the average age is mid 70s so guys like brit who are you know 50 are going to be around hopefully for a lot longer but yeah. 10 years from now there's probably going to be about 10 of these guys left and uh, anytime you get a chance to hear him talk um it's amazing because he's so well polished he does it a lot and he does it for all the right reasons you know it's all uh you know country and helping youth and uh, promoting not only the military but service in general so yeah well, uh, if, if listeners wanted to hear that, where would they go? The museum website? You could go online and sign up for it. Um, you know, like our website, www.navysealmuseum.org. And uh, Brits is, uh, you know, you can't listen to Brits now. Uh, but the next two guys, uh, also friends of uh, the museum and mine, uh, Captain Rick Woolard. 
He was the uh, you know Vietnam veteran, former commanding officer of SEAL Team Two and SEAL Team Six, and my boss here at the museum. He's on our board of directors, so I, I can't get rid of this guy. I mean, I've known him for like forty years, so he's next. And then the guy after that is uh, Captain Retired Jay Hennessy, um, who works for the Cleveland Indians. He's a coach's yeah. coach, yeah. basically, teaching the young coaches how to deal with the young players. You know, so uh, that'll be interesting, too, because I haven't, uh, you know, I have no idea what he does. <laughs> so he was with you, uh, wasn't he? I mean, you guys worked together. You, oh, you yeah, I've worked with all, all these guys for yeah. many years. I don't even say how many years. Good. So uh, we're looking forward to that. So um, Captain Woolard is on March 17th, and uh, Captain Hennessy is on April the 7th. So I uh, hope to, you know people sign up for this. I learned certainly learned a lot. We had a great time. Um, Britt was awesome, so no complaints. Uh, March 17th is also St. Patrick's Day, I think. So uh, will you will you entertain? Uh, the captain, and then uh, take him out for dinner. It's kind of a big night for uh, typically for the military. Well, Captain Woolard, you know, coming, you know, his heritage is you know near that. Uh, we will have some green beer and some well, actually Good green man. Jack, green Jack Daniels. I'm sorry. Yeah, of um, course. I was trying to yeah. talk around it, but you got the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll have plenty of that. Uh, we had plenty of it for this last one too. Uh, Britt didn't drink any of it, but I had some just to, you know, I had no duties or responsibilities, so it was awesome. I just got to have a drink and listen to him talk. It was, it was uh, the weight of leadership. Yeah. Yes. yes you got to do it. It. It, now, was do you very, have a, it was very good. That sounds, so this is called the, the Heroes and Legends. Um, it's not a lecture podcast. Series. It's a lecture series. It's a lecture series, series okay. yeah. So um, depending on how we do, we will extend it. So Britt was our very first speaker. Okay. Um, I thought it was wonderful. If you get a chance, like I said, we'll send you the link, Tim, to, to get a look at it. I think you'll like it. Yeah. And if uh, if, it, if we do well, we'll keep it going. You know. That sounds great. Until well, we run out. And, now, do they have to be frogmen? No, we haven't. We haven't made any rules. The first three guys just happened to be. Uh, they were okay. willing. They were willing to do it. You know. That's yeah. The, that's the biggie. Um, and it's, the second thing is, we didn't want to uh, to do a Zoom call. You know, it's hard to. Uh, read people's faces or get yeah. questions from a Zoom, right? So we have the limited number in the audience, which I thought was very helpful because he could get reactions from the crowd. There was like 10 people, 10 yeah. guests, and then some of the staff. Um, so the, the talk or the speaker needs to be willing to come to the museum okay. um, and, then, uh, and then we'll Zoom it out. And hopefully Good. one day we'll be able to just do it in person. No kidding. Just like no we kidding. used to. No, I think we're we're heading in that direction, Rick. So I think yeah, I, I, I do too. Yeah. Did you get a shot yet? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in the uh, category uh, to get shots yet. So uh, they're Six, starting I said sixty-five and older. Right? Watch it. Uh, no, they're doing K through twelve teachers now in North Carolina, okay. and then university professors are who are under sixty-five are after that. So I think mid-March is my uh, possible shot window. And then I think you get one, you get another one four weeks later, and then two weeks after that, you're considered vaccinated. So I'm Check. looking forward to it. So you're telling me that in North Carolina, university professors are on some sort of hierarchy list? Oh, my God. I'm going to gag. It's, I mean, well, it's really? Not, really? So let me, let me clarify. 
University professors are considered general population. We're in gen pop. Uh, okay. But high school teachers are higher than, I mean, K through 12 are higher than us uh, in priority. So they've just started inoculating them. And when the university professor said, what about us? They go, no, gen pop, you know, you're, you're back with the, you know, the next category, category of folks. Exactly. I'm, I'm fine. Where, you, where yeah. you should be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm fine with uh, them. They're doing it the right way. As long as people aren't, um, if I can use this word jackasses and cut their way in line, then yeah. it seems like yeah. we all live by and support the priorities and I'll wait my turn. I recommend you get in a, a couple hazmat suits and wear those around the campus. Yeah, I actually saw somebody went uh, went on a trip and we were uh, in the airport and I saw two young people in hazmat suits, right, full suits except for their shoes were hanging out and they didn't have uh, anything on their face except for you know like a face mask and you know their hair and everything. So I was wondering what exactly they thought they were protecting themselves from, but. Um, other than making me laugh, uh, yeah. I was I was kind of <laughs> surprised. I I would think that would be rather warm in the hazmat sh- suit as well. Yeah, yeah. You never Forget know. It. And oh, then I saw another guy actually had a mask on, right? And over it, he had a beekeeper's helmet and screen on. What does that do? I have no idea. But I, <laughs> other than making me laugh. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not the I'm not the big picture guy, but I was like, man, I got to take a picture of this. I I never pulled my phone out, but I was like, oh my god, nobody nobody will believe it. That so may I, be a very poignant indictment of the the state of Florida education system, right there. Yeah, actually, it wasn't in Florida. <laughs> oh, okay. Then, then don't say the at, state. <laughs> you know where? North Carolina, actually. No, at Charlotte. Yes, at the airport. no way. I yes, know. swear to God. Yeah, but I'm sure he wasn't from North Carolina. Okay. Well, the beekeeper just, thing. You know, North yeah. Carolina <laughs> does have a lot of beekeepers, but that's crazy. <laughs> I thought you'd oh like it. God. Hey, the yeah, other thing I wanted to mention is uh, uh, obviously Memorial Day is a v- very special uh, day for us here at the Navy SEAL Museum, as it is for you. Yes. And every year, uh, we we actually, for the first time last year with COVID, and we, had, we couldn't have our typical Memorial Day ceremony. And when I say typical Memorial Day ceremony is we have a couple thousand people show up. Uh, we unveil new names that we add to our, our memorial wall. We invite the families. Uh, it's a very uh, emotional, touching, and uh, patriotic ceremony. We, so last year, because of COVID, we were forced to not have it. So we kind of Zoomed uh, um, a message to our followers. Basically, we read off the names of every uh, frogman that uh, has died in combat or in training from World War II to the present day, um, their name, rank, uh, and location uh, where they died. And uh, we have 302 names on the memorial right now. Uh, Unfortunately, we're going to be adding uh, six new names um, May 31st. Um, And like I said, we'll have family members here. We'll unveil the, uh, the six new names. The other exciting thing that we have at the memorial is that um, we have created a, a special memorial garden. Um, not we, I should say, uh, my wife, Barbara created a special memorial garden and I just, you know, dug holes and stuff, but it, there's a flower in that garden from every place of those 302 names where these guys fought and died. 
representing them. So whether it's Hawaii or Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, there is a flower representing them in this garden. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, unique. It's uh, it's it's beautiful because uh, she had to figure out a what flowers represent. You know the right the right locations. B what is going to grow here in Florida because we're right here on the Navy Seal Museum is right on the beach. Lovely Florida, Fort Pierce Beach, but it's hot. The wind blows. You get the salt air from the ocean, and uh, not all plants can make it. So she did that, and and everything's going great. So we have uh, there's five major uh, plants. So you have the from the major wars: World War II, Normandy, um, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan. So uh, I got to tell you, my favorite is the lotus from Vietnam. So she actually brought in seeds from Vietnam and grew this lovely lotus. I'm not a flower guy, you know, uh, barely a museum guy, uh, <laughs> but it was amazing to me. So I'm that looking forward good. to that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, <clears throat> one of the times I was down there for the memorial ceremony, you also did a flag retirement ceremony. Will you be doing that? Yes, we have a whole lot going on here Memorial Day. We have a flag retirement ceremony. We have a, a group of guys that are actually paddling uh, outrigger canoes from Key West to Fort Pierce, and they're going to end up here on Memorial Day to honor our fallen. Um, we have a, a dedication of a, a living beach is what we call it. So basically people from all over the world bring sand, a little thing of sand, to dump in a, a we have a set of hollowed out, scuba tanks mm. for lack, um, to dump them in. So if wherever their loved one died, they bring some sand in, we dump it in on Memorial Day. So we have all this stuff going on. Um, and hopefully uh, the memorial, the garden, and our canine memorial will all be designated as national uh, memorials here coming up. We sent our paperwork into uh, our congressman, Brian Mast down here that represents us here at the navy seal museum also a veteran uh double amputee awesome guy so hopefully you'll be seeing that soon also yeah i hope that you'll be able to record or do something um for the flag retirement ceremony because i think you know i I think the museum could do some outreach for people wanting to know how to do it right by just showing them how an appropriate flag retirement ceremony is held and i and i think you guys have the right uh you set the right tone you have the right professionalism and the seriousness about it and you do it in a way that is very respectful to our nation so um i often wonder as i'm driving around north carolina i see all these frayed and ratty flags uh flying at the gas station or wherever else perhaps if they knew the right way to do it they, they would uh, be a little bit more considerate when it's time to uh, replace the flag and retire the old one. Well, that's good. I, it sounds like you really have a, a fun spring plan, and I hope that your fall will be uh, inclusive. The museum will be back to normal. and um, Don't use it inclusive, please. Don't no, use but I word. mean just people on campus, like full of people, as opposed yes, to yes. zooming in or limiting participation. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I'm excited for you. That sounds great. But I am glad you brought that up because, you know, as a board member of the National Navy UDT SEAL Museum, I think it's time that you recommitted uh, your vow to to us 
um, because, um, well, I guess they're doing it now in the Navy. They're making all the sailors uh, reaffirm their commitment to our country. Um, once again, even though they joined the Navy and they're in it, I don't know if you were tracking any of this, Tim. No, but I, I'm not. I do. Well, you know, the uh, apparently um, on January 6th, there were some veterans involved in that. Uh, and active duty. Were there active duty guys? Yes. Well, you know what happens to them, right? They're going to see the man. They're going right, to get punished. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's things in place for that. But just because there are some active duty and some whatever veterans um why would you make an entire service and i'm sure it's going to spread across the entire force recommit their oath to uh to the country i i guess if you're an active duty person already you're already risking your life i don't i i, that, I guess that irritates the hell out of me well okay it can probably I makes talk? you feel good okay yeah, can i talk so uh yeah i think there are two issues one is Anytime I hear of a DOD uh, stand down or new training, I always think it's going to be a magnificent waste of time because it's so poorly done and it's mandatory. Everybody hates it. Nobody pays attention. And they're, they're, um, you know, we have sharp training. We have all this other training. So the way the DOD does it is below pathetic. But the content is good. Like, the fact that the DOD is trying to get people to opt out of extremist organizations or to stop doing sexual harassment, of course, you know, that, that that's completely appropriate. But the DOD just does it so poorly that, you know, everybody jokes about it. Everybody kind of, if you can just get your name on the roster and then leave, that's the mentality. And there's no suited official or flag officer that's going to change that. Uh, the, the real way, Rick, you and I both know is that when someone takes liberties uh, or uh, acts in a way that is not in accordance with the UCMJ or the Constitution, you crush them. Like, that's the way that it works. And It should, it, yes. And, until that happens, we're going to have these horrible stand-downs and, uh, you know, stupid posters on the chow hall wall and all that stuff that pe- people mock um, because you can't just take a force of two million and go, tomorrow— we're going to talk about, you know, this uh, domestic extremism. It doesn't work that way. So the good thing is there'll be contractors that bilk uh, the, the Department of Defense out of hundreds of millions of dollars to perform this training. The bad thing is it will be poorly done and poorly received. That's right. right? All, all because of our wonderful COVID relief bill that's coming out. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I wasn't going to go down this road, but, you know, when you talk about the... Uh, Uh, sexual harassment sexual abuse in the military i guess from my perspective and what i've seen is yes i think of some basic training is a good thing for the for the average troops sure let's just say you know first first second term people i think where the problem really lies in this in that is i of course somebody's doing the act right but it's the it's the leadership that is not doing the right thing so if you have a young sailor marine female come up to you as their boss and say hey this happened to me that there should be a set procedure for how you deal with that but there really isn't it depends on and then it's interpreted up the chain and it's just it's it's you know watered down 
you know, or your personal opinion or views are added to whatever he or she said. And uh, it's always going to be a, a, a show, for lack of a better term, until they get that figured out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or they start firing commanders where they, you know, I, I just listened to a, a thing this morning. James, uh, former sec def James Mattis was talking and he said, and they were talking about taking authorities away from commanders to punish uh, service members. That's what Congress is talking about. And Mattis's position was, you can't do that. It's just gonna, it's just gonna fracture the relationship. But what what does need to happen is, commanders need to take responsibility for good order and discipline. And if it isn't working, commanders need to be replaced. I mean, that was Mattis's, you know, summary of Mattis's view. And I agree with that. I think if the boss sets the right tone. If the master chief sets the right tone, if the junior leaders uh, set the right tone, then the investment will pay dividends over the long run as the young guys see the tone and they just replicate the tone when they move up. Like they're, This is what my commander, who I learned the most from, this is how he behaves, so I'm going to behave that way instead of uh, you know, some tolerance at the upper levels for any kind of you know, impropriety or discipline or that kind of stuff. It just has to, like, you have to hold people accountable. That's the whole thing behind the military. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, as you know, like when a Navy commander captain runs his ship aground, there's no question. There's no questions asked. He is gone. That is just a, what happens that they need to get to that same point on a lot of different subjects, not only sexual abuse, but it's like here, if this happens and you allow this to happen, you're done period. Yeah. But it's not as cut and dry. Yes, there's a lot of gray area in all the details. But as far as procedurally, okay, if a female or if you're made aware of a female claiming that there was sexual abuse, this is what I need to do. You know, inform the JAG, do this, you know, whatever. Um, But there's too much gray wiggle room in there before it gets from, you know, A all the way to Z. So that's 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 the problem. So we just fixed that one. Me and you did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. And you know what? If there's a guy that gets fired, there's six guys ready to take his spot. So I think we're okay, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Of... Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as uh, as you know in the SEAL teams, everybody thinks they're the boss, right? Um they could do a better job than the boss. They want to take over. So at any moment, you're you're like going, man. If I get taken out, I don't have five guys step up right now. And I'm like, I, I was just going to the bathroom. Hang on. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, you it's know an ongoing true. issue. I mean, we don't want the we don't want the American people to be uh, more distant to the military because the military doesn't do things that now the citizenry thinks should be done. So there's a lot going on in that in that uh, area in terms of scholarship and congressional uh, inquiries and the sec def and policy and commanders and you and I. I could name on both hands a number of commanders who I would. How would you best characterize them? edgy um you know willing to kind of say things that may be uh perceived as inappropriate you know a few don't you yeah yeah sure i and i am guilty of that believe it or not sometimes myself i try not to do it we were giving a uh a leadership talk yesterday at the at the museum amongst all the other things that we were doing and uh I caught myself uh, screwing up because they were, we were talking about leadership, right? And one of the things I came um, talked about was like, it, obviously, all, seals are mostly a 
personalities, right? Everybody wants to be in charge and, and it's hard to lead SEALs uh, unless you have a, you know, a strong experience background to deal with that. And uh, I said, the, one of the other things I said was, this is where I got myself in trouble. Um, I said, the worst thing you do, can do is be a fat SEAL. Yeah. And, then I, and then I looked around the room and I'm like, oops, <laughs> maybe I should have said overweight. Yeah. Because and that and then I went on to explain it and even dug my hole even deeper. I said, because the, the seals are looking at you, thinking if you can't even take care of yourself, why in the heck am I going to be listening to you or you know letting you lead me? And then I looked around the room and I was like, oh, this is not going well. And I turned it over to uh, Grant to keep well talking. And then <laughs> yeah, and I regrouped and started over again. Yeah, yeah. Just out of standards would be fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, see, that's why you're a professor and I'm not. Yeah, out no, of standards good. yeah i know but so i even i believe it or not can make a mistake we were talking about the uh, heroes and legends uh, lecture series and it benefits the trident house charities program which is our program that we run here at the museum that that takes over uh, uh we have a trident house as a respite house for guys that need a break uh, but one of the other big pillars that we have here is our scholarship program so we help out uh, a bunch of uh young people that need help uh, from, you know, youth that are go going to a private school all the way to, you know, college kids in our uh, scholarship program, which is a big deal. And uh, we get a lot of applications and a lot of interest in it. And the um, the date, uh, end of March here, it's going to be opening up. And I think they have till the end of April to get their applications in uh, to qualify. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Tim, I know your your kids great. Uh, would definitely qualify. Um, now, granted, I know you make a lot a lot of money as a professor at uh, Duke, but uh, maybe you don't need that money. But anyway, well, when they the time do comes, yeah, when the time comes, I'll I'll definitely keep that in mind. But uh, it's a wonderful program. You're supporting people in need. You're uh, you're uh, supporting the advancement of education and understanding. And like, there's no downside to that, is there? Well, in my world, they would all just join the military, but that's not going to happen. So they have to go to college and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. No, it's good. A wonderful program. Well, having said that, that that's the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, my good friend Tim Nichols up north in North Carolina. I'm here in Florida. Um, you can get us on Apple Podcasts or on our Navy SEAL Museum website, www.navysealmuseum.org. Thank you. Thank you.